it's the Creator Spaces Show. Welcome back to the Creator Spaces Show. And today, we're talking about TikTok growth and monetization with Alex Mountain. This conversation highlights how to capitalize on the TikTok arbitrage and the rules to follow when publishing on the platform. Let's get right into it. Do you consider yourself a creator? I don't want to be a creator for the sake of just being a creator. It's a tool to help other people get results or raise awareness. So creating content is part of what I do. So I do to some extent consider myself a creator, but it probably wouldn't be the first label that I give myself. As a creator, what do you create? I create only educational content. I have a newsletter. I've been writing newsletters for quite a few years. I create video content. I'm on TikTok. But again, it's mostly educational content in the investing, individual sovereignty, independence framework, I would say. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today was because you've managed to build up a pretty massive following on TikTok in zero time. And Mm -hmm. the question I want to ask right now for you is, how are you building your audience? Yeah, so 100% TikTok. I started on TikTok about 10 months ago because at the time I was starting to teach people online and I realized that going out and doing hard sales wasn't really my personality. And so I realized that I would be better off building a brand and it would also allow me to tackle point number two, which was to just help. And I think once you find yourself in the fortunate situation where you have a little more time and you have leftover resources to work on the things that you're really passionate about, you really want to try to help. And so I took quite some time to actually understand social media because it was brand new to me at the time. And I learned about the difference between platforms with organic reach and where the organic reach is much lower, what's the likelihood that you're going to go viral with a single video if you have no followers? And at the time, it seemed like there were really only two platforms where you could grow big in a short amount of time. It was LinkedIn and TikTok. And so I started making TikTok videos, which took a little bit of overcoming judgment and doubt and so on. And over time, I just focused on TikTok. And that's really where my tribe is today. I've heard this complaint that it's difficult to convert those people to either buyers or subscribers outside of the platform. Have you found that to be the case? Not really, actually. On a good week, I can get about 100 subscribers to my email list if I plug my Substack landing page. But I also have a lead magnet. And when things are good, I can get 100 people a day into my lead magnet, which is hosted on Mighty Networks. And I think if you reduce the friction between TikTok or Instagram and make everything mobile friendly, but I haven't found it difficult to convert actually. So Mighty Networks is an interesting choice. You know what? I actually only have it because I took Jack Butcher's course. He has a bunch of courses that are all hosted on Mighty Networks. And at the time, I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. I just wanted to do something that works. I was able to set up all my courses, my landing pages in a day or two, just because the whole thing is no code. And so I have a free lead magnet that I have on TikTok. And TikTok allows you to have a link. And I've converted quite well to my Instagram, to my YouTube, but also more importantly, to my lead magnets that are hosted on Mighty Networks. But when I have actually just put my Substack landing page, I also get between 80 and 100 people subscribe a week. Choosing the right social media platform for your business is crucial. You need to weigh what makes sense for your business and understand that what your company does impacts the options available to you. TikTok's format and rapid growth were perfect grounds for Alex's educational content to thrive, but it took some research to come to that realization. Don't be afraid to do the same. Figure out what's working for others. And as Alex said, there is no need to reinvent the wheel. And if this so far has intrigued you to start publishing on TikTok, here are some simple tips that'll come in handy. 
it's going to sound super cliche, but stick to a regular publishing schedule on TikTok. Publish twice a day. Most viral videos are between 15 and 25 seconds, and you want to have a specific call to action. The thing is to do something that catches people's attention. You have to bring people value. And I can't remember who said this, but people will pay you to solve their immediate problems. Now, it doesn't just apply to being paid. It also applies to creating content. If you can solve a specific problem for somebody right now as they're watching your video in 10, 15 seconds, that's not only a superpower you can apply to a lot of other stuff in your life, but it also allows you to build an audience really fast simply because you're adding value and it has nothing to do with production quality or anything like that. My best videos are all when I've been like walking and the camera is terrible and the lighting is terrible. Just be raw, be honest and solve the problem when you speak to people. Make it about them and not yourself. That's kind of how I would do it. As somebody who's grown a following on TikTok for something I would not think of as being related to TikTok, where do you see that platform going? Do you think there's going to be more like you on there? 100% TikTok is the fastest growing social network on the planet. And it's grown to almost a billion users in very little time. There's something about the TikTok that is, I believe, part of what's coming in all platforms. If you look at YouTube, it's launching YouTube Shorts. We have Instagram Reels. I think there are more and more short video form content that's coming. And I think TikTok is going to stick around not only as a dance platform, because one of the biggest arbitrages today, I believe, on social media is understanding that TikTok is not a platform for kids or for dancing, not anymore. There's such a big platform for educational content. And I'll actually just say, there's such a huge gap for creators to create something really valuable on TikTok. One of the most impressive things I found is that TikTok taught Alex to provide maximum value in the shortest amount of time possible. And in this day and age, that is a superpower. You said you've been on TikTok for about 10 months now, but you've been mm -hmm. at this finding your tribe for longer than that. How did you start mm -hmm. out building your audience up? So I used to work in an investment bank and my wife and I have been fans of Tony Robbins for a few years now. And one of the seminars was called Life and Wealth Mastery. So you go and you spend five days doing a fast learning about our health. And then we did five days on wealth. So at the time I was working in the bank and I thought these people, the average income was like 250,000 in the room. So I thought I wrote on a Facebook group for this event. I said, hey guys, let's get together and act on some of the things we learned because Tony and his crew were talking about investing in Bitcoin, real estate in Latin America, real estate in Eastern Europe and so on. And what I found was that the people who attended my little get togethers all had no idea about anything related to investing. And I thought I was curious because these were entrepreneurs that were quite well off. And I decided to host a call, which was like, an explanatory one-on-one -on -one investing call afterward. And out of this 550 attendees, about 180 showed up on my call. So I hosted two of those calls. And at the end, I offered people to join a mastermind. And we would do a call once a month and about 40 people sign up on the spot. That's really how I got started with my business. And I realized at the time that a lot of people were doing webinars and there was this whole Facebook webinar model where you sit through a webinar for 90 minutes and then buy a product for $1,000. And I thought that was the only model out there because I didn't know anything about online marketing. I spent a whole bunch of money, hired a copywriter. There was just so much money down the drain. And I realized that all of it was aggressive sales. And then I thought, hey, this is just not working. I want to build a brand where people come to me because I provide value for free and then I can serve them if they want to work with me further. And that's really when I started building my brand about a year ago. So it took me about a year building this active online marketing funnels, investing all the money in ads. I have ad manager on full-time hire. And I realized it just, just wasn't me after all. So I quit all of that and just started building brand organically from scratch about a year ago. After trying a couple of marketing techniques and losing a lot of money in the process, Alex's story opens the case as to why knowing your personality type might be the secret formula to building a strong brand. Understanding the way you process information 
how you interact with the world, your decision-making process, and how you approach new ideas is where it all starts. Let's have a look at how Alex and Michael approach their respective ideas of individual sovereignty and modern industrialism. I stumbled upon this idea of becoming a sovereign individual like five years ago. And I grew up in 10 different countries. I've traveled a lot when I was a kid just because I didn't really have a choice and then became a pleasure. So I always thought I don't want to be dependent on any one place or government or business. I just wanted to have total freedom. So I thought, what does that really look like? And I came across a bunch of different people who were working on that. One of them ended up becoming my mentor. And for five years, I worked with him and I followed in his footsteps. I ended up writing with him on his newsletter. And really what I talk about is how do you become fully sovereign for your own life? That is financially, but also how do you get sovereignty over your own citizenship? Is it possible to diversify your life more than what most people have? How do you make sure that no matter what happens in the world, you're gonna be okay? You can pack up your bags, move to another country, you have citizenship, residency, all your assets are protected, you have online businesses, and you can thrive in any environment. And that's really what I create content about. So it expands citizenships, residencies, businesses, asset protection, investing, the whole scope of that. I've been playing around with an idea a lot that I think the people who are going to make the most impact over the next few decades are those who operate in both digital and physical spheres within a geographic region where they can start deploying capital and influence. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. For those of you who know him, Balaji Srinivasan talks a lot about this, about how the next step of the sovereign individual is a group of sovereign individuals who bargain as a collective. And I think we're really seeing that already in startup cities or nomad hubs, where it's essentially a bunch of nomads who come together who can thrive anywhere, but they come together in a physical space to create value. And I think, first of all, that is not only the biggest drawback, I believe, of being an individual is actually the lack of connection, the lack of tribe physically, because at the end of the day, we still need people around us all the time. We're social beings at our core. And I think it was Sean Poirier was talking about one of big opportunity, which is as everybody goes online, a huge arbitrage opportunity is actually going offline because most people are now focusing online and there are so many barriers to entry that are based on geography alone. So you can get access to deals that most people in the world cannot just because I'm a local. So I definitely do think that there is a lot of value to be added offline as well and not just online. I know that's a lot of information to take in at once, but it outlines what can actually happen when you assess your ideas like Alex and Michael did. Links will be provided in the description if you'd like to explore these highly intriguing ideas of individual sovereignty and modern industrialism. Have you started to monetize your personal brand at this point? If so, how? 100%. So when I first started out, I was doing a lot of one-on-one coaching just to get to know people. And I still do one-on-one coaching, but the prices have risen significantly. And now I also monetize with courses. So I have an online course. I have a freely magnet the lease to my Mighty Networks course. And it's like the beginning of my full course. And so at the end of the lead magnet, you can get access to the full course if you want. So I sell that course. And then I actually just asked my community this week over email what they wanted to see more of. And they wanted a community with monthly Q&A and a regular actionable deep dives on investing business and lifestyle opportunities internationally, which is what I do. And so that's what I'm going to launch. And so I hope to be able to launch this week. If not, I'll launch next week a community. Yeah, it's something I've been able to monetize. Where could we find that community? It's not launched yet, but the best way is to subscribe just to my newsletter because I send out all the information about it. The people I communicate the most with are my newsletter subscribers. I write every single week. I write about it there and I'll announce it when it's ready with all the links and so on. So if you want to get it, I recommend that you just subscribe to the newsletter. The approach you take in monetizing is important. Understanding your audience, or better yet, community, helps you know when, what, and how to start monetizing. Because the moment you start monetizing, your relationship with them changes. 
A lot of factors go into this, and in the next clip, Alex dives deep into the two main ones, the time you have and the amount of value you can provide. Have courses overtaken coaching yet as your primary source of revenue? To be fair, it actually depends on how active I am on TikTok. The more active I am on TikTok, the more I can get people to go through the courses. But in terms of revenue, simply because the coaching has gotten lucrative, it's still a bigger source of income than my courses. I want that to change over time because I want to, I believe most people and probably most creators, make your own personal time more scarce and really scale the products that don't require you use the time, the community and so on. But for now, it's still the coaching that's the biggest source of revenue. And I think that the transition that creators go through is they start with a more time intensive, high priced service business that continues to increase in price over time. So they make a better ratio and maybe goes away at some point. But in most cases, that ends up becoming like 30% of their revenue for 10% of their time, where then courses and communities and other time light or scalable operations take the revenue in the long run. Exactly. And set yourself an hourly target that you want to earn. And I think it really helps to structure your courses and your products and your coaching with that in mind so that every time you grow your audience and launch new products, your own personal time becomes more scarce. But just as an illustration, my coaching has gone up in price about 4x since I started simply because I can sell other things and because my audience has grown and my time has become more scarce. And at some point, I don't know if the goal is ever to charge 150 grand a year for coaching or just to fade it out altogether. I think that's just a personal preference over time. But no matter the level, I think people will always want to work with you one-on-one. -on -one. And I've seen that at kind of all levels of income in what I'm doing. Oh, definitely. There's no replacement for hiring the master themselves. Ultimately, I think the value is tied to how much value you can bring yourself. I've gotten to work with bigger and bigger clients, particularly on the investing side, you know, and the clients who are managing five to $10 million portfolios. If they hire me for help on internationalizing their assets or protecting or something like that, my output for them is so much higher than the price of the coaching. So it's a no brainer for them, simply because the amounts we work with are just so much bigger. In strategic advisory work, strategy doesn't matter if you don't have enough cash flow or business for exactly. strategic impact. Exactly. And you can charge a lot more over time as that cash flow kind of goes up, I imagine. Yeah. And it matters more to them. I mean, mm -hmm. the advice that I give somebody at 200,000 a year might add 50,000, except that doesn't really change their circumstances. As somebody who's mm -hmm. at five or 10 million a year, when they add 10% or 20% more to their cash flow, that's a massive impact. That's another million in their pocket. Exactly. And so for that, it will be a no brainer for them to even pay half a million if you can add that to their bottom line. So that's how you scale coaching, I think. Yeah. You get out of the hourly rates and more into the annual contracts. And 100%. Only thing not to forget is that your business goals and personal preferences will help you make out a structure that will provide sustainability. What's your North Star metric for success? When I started out in this, I was in a fortunate position that I wasn't scraping for resources, but I had some financial cushion to just take my time and do whatever I wanted. And so my goal was really just to help as many people as I can, which I know sounds really cliche and vague, but I realized that you can give a lot of really great information for free, but nobody will act on it. And I think some of it has to do with the fact that free content doesn't have the same leverage as when you pay for something. And uh, the reason I'm saying it is because I have now started introducing more financial metrics for success in my business, simply because 
because they realize that when people pay, they tend to actually change things. I could say I have 300,000 followers. That doesn't actually mean that I've changed any lives. But if I work with a thousand people close one-on-one -on -one, and they really take action, that changes their life much more than somebody who just follows. And that's kind of like a vanity metric. So I haven't really nailed that metric yet because I'm still figuring out the value of free content versus paid content in terms of actually helping people, even though that sounds a little bit woo-woo and a little bit cliche. But really, if you want people to take action, I believe that at some point there's going to be a financial commitment. Yeah, they have to dedicate themselves. That's the thing. And I realize also you can only help people who want to help themselves. And people who really want to help themselves will invest in themselves simply if not to get leverage on themselves. Like I realize, and probably everybody in the same case, when you spend $1,000 on something, you're much more likely to do something about it than when it's free or when it's 10 bucks. I can give you the world's best TikTok course, but if I charge you 10 bucks, you might not take it seriously. Whereas if I charge you 1,000, you might actually do something about it because now you have leverage. I'm not really walking the talk on that one yet, but okay, uh, hopefully okay. that will come soon. So is that your current goal as a creator? My goal is to understand how I can scale while building something sustainable. I want to understand how can I create something that I want to continue doing for several years. Understanding how can I scale my business to an extent that fits what I want to create in the world and in my own life, both of those at the same time. And as always, we wrap it all up by answering the question. If you could send a tweet back to your start, what would it be? I would say just be consistent. And I know it's nothing original, but it is really the key. I've written newsletters for three years every single week, and it's something I do really well now, and it's not something that is a burden on me because I love doing it. I got really big on TikTok because I was consistent with my content. For the first four months, I made two videos a day, and then I scaled up to six videos a day, and then I scaled down to one video a day. But really just staying consistent is the hardest part of it because it's not hard to grow an audience. It doesn't mean that it's easy, but it's quite simple. The steps are really simple, but you just have to to do them every single day. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I think people really underestimate the value of doing the same thing enough times that it starts to make a dent. And then the other thing probably that I forgot to mention was know your outcome, because if you're just shooting for a vanity metric, you can get 300,000 followers because one of your videos goes viral and it gets 20 million views and you get 300,000 followers in the process. But if you don't know what your outcome is, you're just going to have 300,000 followers and nothing else. They will not have converted. You won't really be able to talk to them because you don't know how to reach them with the algorithm. And maybe you want to convert some of them to YouTube. Maybe you want to convert them to Instagram, to a product. Really know your outcome and be deliberate in choosing a platform or a lifestyle for that matter that actually suits what it is you're trying to achieve. Because when you live other people's dreams or when you say, Alex got 3,000 followers, I want that too. You have to know why you're getting it.